Hey there, this podcast is titled Stop Aging Now. It's for entrepreneurs. It's for those of you who want to get to the next level. We're going to be teaching you about the seven secrets of health. This is an incredible podcast that can transform your life, your relationships, your energy that you can invest in your career to take your opportunities to the highest level possible. Stay tuned to the very end, an amazing offer by visiting stopagingnow.7pillarscoaching.com. Stay tuned. You're going to hear amazing guests and yours truly, Dr. Nick Delgado, take you to the very next level. Your mindset, your sleep, your ability to improve your diet, your exercise, what hormones, how to balance them, all of this and more. Let's listen in. I'm here to share with you the findings of optimum health. What does it take for you to be in the best health of your life? I'd like to uh, share with you my findings over the last 45 years and what it will take for you to be your very best. First, I, I wanted to take you to a shortcut to the Pritikin Library and take a look at what's called the various interventions that people require or need or follow through on. And oftentimes we go through life with struggles and challenges. And I'd like to share with you some of the great discoveries that Nathan Pritikin himself had when it comes to disease conditions. So the first presentation is about a discussion of health and well-being. Nathan Pritikin himself with me, Nick Delgado. This is probably back in 1978. So it's more than 40, 44 years ago, uh, 43 years ago. And the question is diabetes. What is it that has to happen in order for you to understand the origin, but more importantly, the solution to this rather horrific uh, disease problem. And so many people who are struggling with diabetes have, shall I say, a challenge. And that challenge is, are you living a balanced life? Do you understand that the foods you eat, the exercise you do, all of these factors affect your body's immune system, your body's blood sugar, your insulin, your hormones, everything to do with it. So that being said, I'd like to kind of delve a little bit deeper into this challenging problem that evades current science and educators and those people uh, who, shall we say, are challenged with what do we need to do to live a longer, better quality life? Why do you have diabetes? If you have diabetes, what is it that you need to do to currently slow or reverse the disease process? Diabetes, as I've said, has challenged people for many, many generations. And when we look at the pr prospect of health and well being and longevity, there's far too many people that are suffering from this degenerative disease that we call diabetes. There's been a lot of science and work about it, but I think Nathan Pritikin himself was one of the first to really describe this problem. 
And he wrote in the Journal of Applied Nutrition, he submitted an article. This is, it says 1947 through 1984. And there was a contribution about the whole issue of diet and health and well being. So he had a, Nathan Pritikin had a series of books, Live Longer Now, uh, which he co wrote with. Hoffer and Leonard, the first 100 years of your life, the Pritikin program for diet and exercise, the Pritikin permanent weight loss program, which arguably I would say today that it's still very, very accurate with what we know about health and longevity and weight loss. So let's stay with our topic here for a moment about diabetes. And if we compare juvenile and adult onset diabetes, we used to call it juvenile adult, but now we know sometimes uh, the juvenile diabetes can occur in an adult. So we really just refer to it as type one and type two diabetes. And when we look at this information, it's striking that 10 to 15% uh, of the individuals have what's defined as this juvenile or type one diabetes. And it could occur anytime from youth on up to the age of 70. There's a rapid onset, sometimes uh, pre precipitated by some infection. Usually there is a deficiency of insulin and the complications are usually quite severe, particularly after about 10 to 20 years. Whereas adult onset diabetes, which is now referred to more as type two, uh, affects somewhere approaching 85 to 90% of the population who have diabetes age 25 to 70, there's a gradual, sometimes unnoticed until maybe there's a vascular problem that occurs, usually is present. And it, it it's uh, that is insulin is usually present in sufficient quantities and the complications are gradual uh, during the course of the onset of this disease condition. So the way to get a clear understanding of this is there is a basic fact about diabetes. And first, let's just understand what insulin, the hormones role, and that is to push glucose from the foods that we eat from the breakdown of complex carbohydrates, say such as rice that break down eventually into individual glucose molecules. Insulin, the hormone pushes it into the cells to be metabolized and burned for fuel. And that is the core basis and the simplicity of the situation. However, with diabetes, the insulin is desensitized. It can no longer push the sugar into the cells. And when this happens, there, there's a whole cascade of issues that develop. In diabetics, it's the number one cause of blindness. Those who have diabetes, stroke, 75% of those who are diabetic, it's related to the, the diabetic condition. 80% uh, of limbs that are amputated uh, relate to the diabetic individual who's developed gangrene and the death of the tissue, say of the foot or the feet, or the ankle. Uh, and of course, heart attacks, 50% of diabetics, it's, uh, it's associated with this condition that leads to a heart attack. Diabetes worsens the, the blood sugar, the lipids, the acceleration of atherosclerotic plaques. So the prevalence of diabetes, when you do a simple glucose tolerance test, and we match that to hyperlipidemia, 
they, they looked at Japanese and Hawaii versus relatives in Hiroshima in the country of Japan itself. And they found that the individuals based in Hawaii had, uh, when compared to the cholesterol of those Japan versus Hawaii, that the individuals, if you look closely, the glucose tolerance test was worsened in the individuals over time. There's a 70% higher level of incidence in those individuals uh, given a glucose tolerance test that's 185 milligrams of sugar glucose measured at the one hour point. They found that the individuals uh, of Hawaii, the descendants of, of the Japanese, that uh, both the glucose tolerance test was worsened in the Hawaiians versus those from Hiroshima, Japan. Uh, but notice the significantly higher cholesterol level. It was almost 70% compared to Hiroshima, which is at about the 20% mark. And that is a percent of those people with a cholesterol over 250. So in other words, those who have uh, tested abnormally high in a glucose tolerance test where a person's given a glass of sugar water, that the correlation to those with high cholesterol was quite striking. But it also was shown that it cannot necessarily be genetic because the relatives of the same Japanese had a far worse situation. The only thing that had changed was they moved to Hawaii from Japan and they changed their diet, meaning eating more fried foods, more grease, more meat, uh, more dairy product. Whereas in Japan, they're eating more rice and vegetables and leaner, healthier foods. It's important to get a sense because insulin sensitivity, when you look at a high fat diet versus a low fat diet, the high fat diet compared to the low fat, which is defined here as a high carbohydrate diet, because by its very fact, if it's high in carbohydrates, there's going to be less fat and less protein or the same amount of protein, but you're really manipulating the two macronutrients. So notice then that those individuals, when they're given a high carbohydrate diet and they're monitored their insulin levels with five units of insulin, the blood sugar levels, uh, when the insulin is given, the sugar is pushed into the cells from the carbohydrate and the blood sugar levels uh, drop down from a level of on average of about 100 uh, down to say uh, a absorption level that is covering the time in 10 and 20 and 30 minutes. So the peak at 30 minutes, more of the blood sugar uh, goes into showing that the insulin is more sensitive on a low fat, high carbohydrate diet than a high fat low carbohydrate diet. In other words, the blood sugar levels were not um, pushed into the cells at the rate. Let's see, it says say 100 milligrams per 100 milliliters at 30 minutes, you got uh, a percentage or, or a certain amount of milligrams, about 60 milligrams going in after 30 minutes from five units of insulin. However, on the carbohydrate diet, there was uh, about uh, 20 uh, the remaining blood sugar was as low as maybe 30 milligrams per hundred uh, milliliters, showing that the insulin is more sensitive on the high carbohydrate than the high fat diet. So the risk of cardiovascular death, I was up a little bit late, in diabetic men and women, there's excess deaths, cardiovascular disease, sudden deaths, cardiovascular disease, non-sudden, or those who died from stroke. 
the, the death rate, according to the Framingham studies, uh, was correlated in those with diabetes, meaning the greater number of people died uh, from non-sudden uh, or stroke and cardiovascular disease when they had the diagnosis of diabetes that was present. <laughs> so a large-scale study done from 1956 to 1957 on Oranase, a oral blood sugar pill. They monitored over 20,000 diabetics for 18 months. There was 3,000 physicians supervising a massive, huge study. And what they found was that they were no better than before from taking the sugar water, if you will. So I'm not advocating you take sugar water. I'm just saying that this incidence of control is not necessarily sugar dependent, it's more fat dependent. Um, in the medical dictionary, they defined diabetes in 1956 as a deficiency in insulin. In 1966, they said it was a failure to secrete adequate quantities of insulin. And by 1974, I said there was a faulty pancreatic activity when a person has diabetes. But we don't find that entirely be the case across the board because insulin response to continuous blood sugar infusion, normal versus diabetic, uh, is always better in an individual who is, is you know, controlled by their response, that is the insulin to continuous glucose infusion uh, compared normal to diabetics. So a normal individual, uh, had a normal response, of course, uh, at the line of 100, but the mild diabetic had a 150% increase in the reported number of blood sugar. The normal level for severe diabetic, they produce almost as much insulin as the normal individual. So it's interesting. It was a little bit less than normal, but the mild diabetic actually produced more insulin than the normal individual. So that was a shocking, interesting finding. In other words, diabetics, type uh, two, 2 diabetics, could produce enough insulin, even more insulin than they needed, or as a severe type um, 1 diabetic, produced almost enough insulin, but not quite enough. So something's going on that's affecting the insulin sensitivity. In a general sense, type 1 diabetics, uh, they tend to have a sudden weight loss, 10 to 30 pounds in a month. They may have the presence of ketones. Uh, the pancreas viral, could, could, the, could there be a viral condition that affect the pancreas, the kidneys, uh, they might experience blindness. Uh, the low fat diet exercise will reduce insulin. It's very important. And now we know some herbs, bourbon and bergamot can make a big difference as well when added in conjunction with the proper diet and exercise to reduce insulin and control. Now, I remember I had a client who had type one diabetes and he was told there was no way we could reduce his need for insulin. But over the course of using these advanced lifestyle interventions, uh, he was able to control uh, his need for insulin, much so that he had very little requirement to add insulin to his protocol. It may not be enough if you're seeing a doctor advising you about blood sugar and insulin levels to do your standard method of care when, as you can see, there's far more things involved with this. Type 2 diabetics, for example, of which that makes up 90% of the people, they have a fatty diet, they're desensitizing their insulin because they excess fat, heart attacks, strokes, gangrene are very prevalent, even though it's known that the Pima Indians are the blood relatives of the Tarmar Indians, 
the one group eats a very healthy diet, but after the war, the Pimanians start eating, you know, more cheese, more butter, more peanut butter, sugar and things. And so both fat, sugar, and excess protein worsen these individuals. So, so to the point, so much so to the point where the Pimanians had over 50% of their population uh, being tested to be diabetic. Well, this is not too far off from the American public because we have a high incidence of diabetes um, in our culture. So it's interesting that it's really the fatty diet that desensitizes insulin and leads to the higher risk of heart attack, stroke, and gangrene. The university group diabetic project, one of the largest of its types, took over 1,000 diabetics. It was tested at 12 different hospitals in Puerto Rico as well, and over 50 scientists uh, monitored and uh, established the followings for eight and a half years. Large, large study. Uh, it's important to recognize as we look at these, these study results, you know, what these outcomes are. The core is that a non-diabetic would fall into this category, potentially starvation, uh, or will elevate free fatty acids, liver damage, sandwich exercise, or acute infection. You may not have diabetes at all. It's interesting how people react to this condition because it is so terrifying and scary. 50 of the 100 diabetics uh, were on a 56% fat diet. Uh, the other 50 uh, people were on a 20% fat diet, far less with more carbohydrates of the complex variety. It's interesting that in this low-fat, high-complex carbohydrate diet trial, uh, 8% got off insulin on the high-fat diet. However, on the low-fat diet, 24% got off insulin. The change in average insulin dose, there's almost no change in the high-fat diet group. Whereas the low-fat, high-complex carbohydrate diet had a 58% reduction in the need for insulin. The cholesterol reduction was remarkable. Dr. Rabinowitz reported a five-year study that the cholesterol on average went from 229 down to a safer 184. Quite profound discovery. So this was written about in Diabetes Outlook that a bean diet, not only high in complex carbohydrates, but contributing very good quality types of very various types of fiber that these individuals from red kidney, harcourt, butter bean, and whole meal bread all made a big difference. So you may not be able to get it to zero, but you'll live a healthy life eating and taking the correct supplements and doing the right thing. In Nutrition Action Center for Science in the Public Interest, uh, I think it was published in the 1980s here, Diet and diabetes is saying the safest, most effective treatment for many diabetics may be choosing the right food, grains, bread, beans, potatoes, cereal, fruit, vegetables, mentioned some poultry. I would leave that out or minimize it. Even in Egyptian times, the low fat diet was known that <laughs> their culture, the, the laborers, workers ate a lot of grains, breads, and berries, and they were very healthy people, but the rich Egyptian uh, individuals that they build the tombs to the pyramids, those individuals tended to suffer from diabetes. Why? Well, their diet was very rich. They imported a lot of meat and animal product and dairy and so forth, and they developed diabetes. So they knew as far back as 1550 BC, pretty amazing to think about it because over 34 years ago, knowing that this solution exists, but it was kind of forgotten. So some people say, well, weight loss can cause a change in cholesterol or triglycerides, but individuals given like a food restriction, it's interesting that you see 
a nice change in triglycerides, the higher they were, the more they reduced, which is fat circulating in the blood, and the change in cholesterol, waxy sterile substance built up in the brain. So just keep this in mind that keep this in mind that sometimes you has better ideas about how to guide people on longer, better quality life. So this was uh, Michael Godfrey. He was a type one diabetic. I remember him distinctly, quite amazing story. He says, cholesterol went from 274 to 178. My insulin requirement decreased by 10 units in less than two weeks. And that was following guidelines that I gave him. And Pritikin once theorized, it was the reduction in cholesterol, the lipids, um, not as much the blood sugar, the insulin that probably reduces the complications for type one and type two diabetics. So let's keep that in mind, how important that is that remembering that those with diabetes, 50% of them, uh, with heart attacks are associated with diabetics, the higher rate of stroke and so forth. So this is important. And yet Dr. Kelly M. West university of Oklahoma reported Back in 1976, that 62% of adult onset diabetics could be off of insulin and other drugs back to normal using a low fat, high fiber, rice, vegetable, fruit diet. So the approach is quite clear. Eat more of not the simple, but the complex carbohydrates, grains and starches are actually complex carbohydrates. White rice is, but I prefer you to eat brown rice. Um, so uh, white bread, no, eat the whole grain bread. So beans of various types, vegetables, fruit, reduce... Uh, your fats and oils and cheese and fatty meats, because remember it's the fats that tend to desensitize insulin and worsen the diabetes, but also fatty foods tend to be in conjunction with high cholesterol foods. And although I know Andrew Uberman is debating and questioning whether cholesterol has its effect, and he just more or less admitted he didn't want to sort through the volumes of studies and science that would verify uh, this particular position. But the truth is we know this to be the case. And the meat and dairy industry keeps publishing studies that divert people from the truth and mislead them on purpose. They don't want people to know the truth about how do you get healthy. So make sure that you then reduce both fat and cholesterol, because if you reduce cholesterol, reducing your risk of a possible stroke or heart attack and clogged arteries and ED erectile dysfunction. If we reduce fats, you're improving the insulin sensitivity, both of which are going to make a big difference. Aerobic exercise, at least 12 to 30 minutes a day or more. Um, at Pritikin Institute, we would do exercise morning, afternoon, and evening on a treadmill. They'd walk at the comfortable pace, monitored by an exercise physiologist. It was very well controlled, and we got fabulous results published in the journals. And I'll go to one of the abstracts in the Pritikin Library here to show that to you. Um, Doctor visits to monitor insulin changes. Yes, uh, don't just do this on your own. If you're on insulin, be very careful, monitor it. Don't suddenly go off insulin, uh, but just tailor it down depending on the amount of units. And most of the patients we've seen have gotten free of their need for insulin dependence. Reduce sugar because you want to avoid hypoglycemia, but keep in mind hyperglycemia, high blood sugar is usually associated with too much fat, not enough of the complex carbohydrates and certainly indifferent to protein. Don't increase your protein intake, get adequate amount of protein by eating a whole balanced diet, exercising and paying attention to your sleep requirements. So I wanted you to see that. Let's uh, go back to uh, some of the information here that's composition of foods. Uh, actually, I'd like to go to the abstract on diabetes. Let's, let's see if we can find that. The Pritikin files, let me go to that. I want to share this with you because there's some really good stuff. So 
I was doing that talk from memory because from years ago, <laughs> but here's the actual abstract that uh, Pritikin gave the doctors, including myself, to study and read and present. Um, here's the table of contents, introduction to diabetes. What is diabetes? General definition, basic facts about diabetes. Um, is diabetes a disease of insulin deficiency? The medical dictionary definition. Uh, Dr. Sweeney, Dr. Felber, Dr. Anderson, and their findings, um, some other really in, in, in important information. So this uh, abstracts even more in depth than the slides. I have other slides of part one, part two, and there's even a part one, part two on the abstract as well. And so this is going to be exciting to join me to understand the science and the history, because so much work has been done. Uh, by our team with Nathan Pritikin back when we were studying this information years ago. It's, um, it's really with great anticipation, the conclusion, the findings. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of time to sort through this, but this is studies and information that's well-referenced. It hasn't changed in over 40 years. We've known about this, but somehow the science has been lost and forgotten. And I'm here having been Nathan Pritikin's uh, director of the Pritikin Better Health Program, the outpatient programs, uh, a person who studied extensively directly with Nathan Pritikin himself for, during the course of almost two years. And here's the actual medical journal references. I want you to know that this is all well-referenced, uh, Hemsworth, Rabinowitz, all the, the publications, uh, GM Reaver, uh, I recognize these names because uh, we used to be required to study all the journals, the backup information. Um, it's going to be exciting. I, all I want to tell you is that when you enter into the Pritikin Library and you follow along, you know, with those of you who, who want to live a longer, better quality life, which that includes all of us, right? So it's been with great pleasure. I'm going to be inviting incredible guests like Dr. John McDougall to do some programs with me and kind of walk down memory lane. Because as I study this information, it reminds me of, of the years I worked with Nathan Pritikin, the golden years, if you will. And I just want to share this with you because it can change your life. It can save your life. It can help a loved one, a relative. It can help your children. Very important. All of this. Dr. Nick Delgado say, be well, be strong. Check out fromthedoctors.com. And if you want to follow up with some coaching, please um, go to the website fromthedoctors.com forward slash apply, and you can apply for coaching. And we'll look forward to guiding you on your mission to ideal health. Thank you very much. This is Dr. Nick Delgado, author of 15 books, including my newest book release, Stop Aging Now. SevenPillarsCoaching.com. I have an irresistible offer that's beyond belief that will take your health, your relationships, your ability to perform as an entrepreneur in your work. This offer, just simply go to the Stop Aging Now. Seven, the number seven, pillarscoaching.com, and you will see a free offer. It's a $1,200 value for absolutely free to get my downloads of my four best selling books Acne Be Gone for Good, The Skin Condition, Acne, 
by Dr. Sonia Batterisi and yours truly, Dr. Nick Delgado. Blood Doesn't Lie, Mastering Love, Sex, and Intimacy, and the newest release, Stop Aging Now, The Seven Secrets to Look and Feel Great. That's right. It's a $1,200 offer, and you get it for 30 days free. Just simply enter your information. We'll send you the information to download, and you get to review my books. You get to get my online courses, all of them. You get to get a Wednesday mentorship with my top VIP group that is held every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. East Coast Standard Time. Yours truly, along with guests that I've invited, germane to the subjects of how do you improve the quality of your sleep, how do you set your mindset to accomplish your goals, how to dramatically improve your fitness profile using my revolutionary 12-minute workout combined with flow training and stretch type yoga movements and the incredible detoxification program, the nutritional Nutrify program, the right foods to select in conjunction with the specific herbs and how to basically accomplish your goals, rejuvenate your body, the latest on hormones, peptides, all of it is in this course. And in 30 days, you'll be able to get the results that you never ever thought was possible. I guarantee these results and I'm backing it up with a free offer. Should you decide to continue, the continued program is very minimal, no more than a couple cups of coffee. And you're not gonna need coffee after you go through this program. Who's this for? Entrepreneurs, burned out housewives, individuals who wanna be peak performers in the bedroom, in the boardroom, and in general, take your relationships, your health, and your energy, and your career to a whole new level. Looking forward to helping you.